And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, you are now tuned into anything's potable. The most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital, like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. Welcome to anything is potable. Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, and I am joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic, Jay King, ladies and gentlemen, and we are coming to you Wednesday, the day before Game 6 of the NBA Finals. The Celtics find themselves down 3-2 to two after a disappointing loss in game four where they did not score at the end of the fourth quarter and frankly Jay I was surprised to have the Celtics follow that up with just an atrocious first half of basketball in game five they managed to climb out of that hole they dug themselves in but their fourth quarter woes returned I know this is something you wrote about but what was your reaction? Just kind of the stinker the Celtics played or had for 36 minutes of that uh, game five game. Yeah, they just couldn't play offense for a while. That first half was just disgusting. <laughs> I mean, truly gross. They missed their first, what was it, 15 three pointers, something like that? They, I think it was 12. 12? Yeah, 12. They like Jalen Brown. I feel like what when they are bad, Jalen tries to jumpstart them and give them a little energy. And it just felt like he was trying to do a little too much early. He forced some stuff in the paint. He had some turnovers. The turnovers for for him, for Tatum, have been pretty, pretty killer. And then the, the fourth quarter offense, it just doesn't seem like the Celtics are getting to what they want. The Warriors have a great defense. They are super smart. They think the game at a level that is unique, especially Draymond Green. He's he's one of one. And the Celtics just haven't solved it late. They haven't gotten the opportunities that they want. And then, you know, I thought the the fourth quarter of game five, Emeo Doka. Kind of went for the kill. Stephen Curry was out. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum had both played the whole third quarter, and Ime left them both in. And that was a moment where it's like, okay, Curry's on the bench. Both those guys are in. The Celtics need to seize this game. Instead, the Warriors went on a 10-0 run. The Celtics totally unraveled and didn't get a good opportunity. Never mind a bucket, but a good opportunity for like five minutes in the fourth quarter. First, it was... Two Derek White misses. Then it was Marcus Smart going to the rim and forcing up a tough layup. Then it was Tatum traveling. Then it was, and it's just 
just kind of a mess. They they need to get themselves together offensively, be be more patient, be more purposeful, and get to more of what they want instead of forcing stuff and and kind of allowing the Warriors to dictate the game at that end. Yeah, it felt like they did a pretty good job in the third quarter of driving kick uh and really, I thought trying to get drives on Steph Curry. And part of the reason they couldn't do that at the start of fourth quarter is Curry wasn't in the game, but they couldn't translate that to attacking Jordan Poole. I do think the White, like for whatever reason, he did not shoot with confidence at the start of that fourth quarter. Like the first one, it was like they left him open. He took too long of a break. Then he shot it. The next one, he took kind of more in rhythm and he was wide open. And after that, it felt like Ime quickly took him out and didn't really have confidence in him. But they, you got to give the Warriors credit because I think Wiggins and Clay have done a, a very good job on on kind of that defense on and slowing down the Celtics' drives. But it's just the other thing is that how many how many air balls did Jason Tatum have in that fourth quarter? It felt like he was especially out of gas there, which is not something I think we've seen from Tatum who otherwise before I think the fourth quarter was having a pretty good basketball game, uh, especially on the offensive end was knocking down uh, some of his shots. I mean, he finished with 27, but how many, how many did he get in the fourth quarter? Uh, Not many. Only five, (laughs) not many. Uh, Like, what do you think the reason was like, what were they doing in the third quarter was that was so successful that they couldn't replicate in the fourth? Yeah, I mean, part of it was just making threes. You know, they made their first five threes of the third quarter. And so, yeah, everything's going to look better when you do that. But I just felt like they they lost their composure at the beginning of the fourth. I the The first few possessions, like, Yes, Derek White, it was wide open. I, I I I have a tough time even blaming him for that shot. But like that's what the Warriors want you to take. That is, they are begging Derek White to take an off the dribble three and do it pretty early in the shot clock. So he misses that. They they miss again. They you know, Marcus Smart does the he has the the Clay Thompson moment where it was probably an offensive foul. It was probably a push off, but Smart's really pissed off about that. He ends up getting a, a technical shortly thereafter. Um, and then the Jordan Poole thing happened where, you know, again, it was a questionable to bad call, I thought. Like Jordan Poole hit Smart's arm first and then Smart's arm kind of like bounced up or whatever and Pool sold the contact. But I, it just felt like in that stretch, the Celtics just kind of unraveled and they stopped looking for the the good opportunities. And and before you know it, Golden State's gone on a 10-0 run and that's all it takes. You know, like just, just a quick little run where you lose yourself just a little bit and that's all it takes. Like that's it, and the Celtic they 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 still had I guess a chance, but missed a ton of free throws. Jalen missed one, Tatum missed two in a row, and maybe that's the fatigue. Maybe maybe there is something to the fatigue. They've played a ton of games. Those guys have played a ton of minutes. This playoff run has been 
never ending and and they're not used to runs this long obviously but but they need to find a way to get better opportunities in the fourth quarter they went they scored five points over the first eight minutes of the fourth quarter of game five that that's disgusting that's deplorable that's just you can't have that in a finals game against a team like the warriors that that is just super experienced and is going to get something that it wants on every possession. Something that's been interesting to me uh, in just looking at some of the numbers of the series is how effective the Celtics have been when Robert Williams is on the court. Yeah, he's been a huge, huge impact guy. And kind of the opposite has been true when it's been Al Horford. I think the the lineup that I thought really works in the third quarter um, and has worked for stretches in this series is Rob Williams surrounded by kind of four guards. And if you look at kind of the numbers, I don't, I don't think Horford's net rating has been great when he's on the court. Is, can they play Time Lord more? Like it definitely feels like he's made a huge impact. He played 30 minutes in game five. Um, I mean, Al, obviously you're still going to play Al Horford for like 25 to – plus minutes but it's like is there any way that they can get more out of Robert Williams just because it feels like I mean in game five he was a plus 11 in his 30 minutes and everyone else was uh in the negatives it really feels like they need to maximize kind of what he does is that something that's even an option with given his health right now yeah I mean they they started to lean into that in the second half of game five he played 11 minutes 18 seconds of the third quarter before they gave him a rest like Especially for Rob, especially since the injury, that's that's rare. So I, I think they notice what you notice, but also he's he's never been a huge minute guy, and especially coming back from the knee injury, like there's a delicate balance there between feeding him too many minutes, and especially like even Game Four, as good as he was early in Game Four, he left that game hobbling, you know. So I I think. There will be an urge to give him minutes, and I think they probably will give him more time, as much time as they believe they can. But I also don't think it's a thing where you can play him 40 minutes and and get away with that because we've seen it so many times. He just It's huff, tough for him to play a full game and, and stay effective for that full game without tweaking something at some point. So what do you like? I'm trying to think. What do you think it is about having just Horford as the only big on the court that the Warriors have been able to exploit? Is it just the lack of rim protection? Uh, I guess less offensive rebounding, um, less, less just perimeter uh, kind of shot blocking ability. What is it about that when Horford's the only big that hasn't worked for the Celtics? Probably a bit of everything, uh, and then the other part of that too is like Grant Williams hasn't been super effective either. So when they go away from Robert Williams, you know, for the most part, they still have a pretty big lineup. Um, but but Grant hasn't been too effective really on either side of the court in this series. There's not, you know, it, it's not like he's out there being able to switch on his staff uh, and and do a good job of that. Like, they're just, he's, he's not been able to get free for for shots and when he has he hasn't knocked them down like this is this has been a pretty tough series for grant williams so i think that's part of it too uh like 
their smaller lineups with Grant and Al, neither of those guys have been able to switch on to Steph. And so that that's part of what makes those lineups so good is you can switch everything. But in this situation, like Steph has just proven the numbers that he has against switches in this series are just killer. And so they haven't been able to do that. Uh, so I think that's all part of it. Yeah, Rob has been super a super deterrent at the rim. And you can see that Golden State just attack differently when he's back there. So getting him to stay on the court as much as possible would be a big deal. That said, it, it's also like flirting with danger every single time. Uh, and then like going small has been pretty good, but but White, like on top of the shooting struggles in in game five, especially at the, the beginning stage of that fourth quarter, Golden State was kind of attacking him defensively. Like Andrew Wiggins was going at him, and Jordan Poole got by him. So I, I think they, they need a little more from White, too, than than what he gave him in the last game. And Pritch, Pritchard, same thing. The whole bench, was, I thought, was pretty bad. Uh, like, And that, that's probably a part of the reason why the fatigue was was such a factor for, for Tatum and Brown is because I think Ime, quite frankly, like lost confidence in the guys on his bench. I don't think Peyton Pritchard played in the second half after I thought he had some like pretty good opportunities in the first half and couldn't capitalize on any of them. So the the bench right now looks pretty thin uh, from Ime Udoka's perspective. And, and that's a big deal because – their second unit has typically been pretty good, has typically been a factor, has typically helped them on both ends of the court. And and now, right now, they uh they seem like a pretty thin team, which I guess the finals can do to a team. Yeah, it feels like if in game six, Derek White stepping up or Grant Williams or just anyone uh, giving the, the starters a little bit of a rest is important. But I think Derek White to me, feels like the key guy just because we know he's going to get an opportunity with what he's done on the defensive end, his screen navigation, guarding Steph Curry, like doing all that, you know Derek White's going to be out there. And if he's just a total nothing on offense, like that's it just makes it so much more pressure on Tatum, Brown, Marcus Smart, to try and get something going and try to kind of start the offense. And as much as like Derek White, I feel like needs to shoot and needs to shoot with confidence um, just to hold them honest. I feel like Grant has done nothing but uh, commit dumb take fouls uh, for this entire series. And I don't really know what you can expect from him um, moving forward. I agree with you. Pritchard knocked down his shots uh, or had got good looks, but didn't knock them down. The, the point you made about them attacking Derek White is not something I was it was kind of expecting. I think they did it a little bit. Wiggins did a little bit of it in game four, um, where it's just like Wiggins is that much bigger than Derek White. What did you think of the their defense of Steph Curry? Because Curry was uh, did not make a three. People People have been talking about that. Known three maker, did not make a three. He only had 16 points. It felt like they were putting so much attention on Steph Curry that it just left Andrew Wiggins to dominate the mid-range and dominate the paint. If I'm the Celtics, I feel like you just you you dial up the same strategy because I would much rather take my chances at Andrew Wiggins living in the mid-range than Steph Curry doing anything. Yeah, and and that was part of it. I think if if you're the Celtics, you look back at some of the shots Wiggins hit 
especially probably early, where they were just tough, contested, mid-range shots. And I'm looking at his shot chart right now. Some of those were like a little shorter in the mid-range, but he hit one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight non-restricted area twos, which like that's just really tough. I feel like the, that's what you want from Andrew. Like the, and if, you, and if, when shot, Steph Curry's uh, on the court, you want that shot. Yeah, and he shot a super high percentage on those. He was nine of ten from the paint outside of the restricted area. Two for four on on longer mid rangers, and I, I think part of it may be just pushing him out a little bit pushing him you know from a nine or ten footer make that a 14 or 15 footer and and see if, if that happens but i i do think to an extent you live with some of the looks that he got it's it's the ones like like in the fourth quarter when when Derek white is backtracking and wiggins is able to get downhill and go all the way to the hoop those are the ones you can't have but yes, yeah, so some of them were just tough shots, and then I thought I thought Clay just hit some big, big shots. Like he he didn't have a, a vintage Clay Thompson game, but end of the third quarter, Celtics were just really threatening to pull away. They were they had seized control, and Clay hits one three, then he hits another. Then the fourth quarter comes, and he hits that shot where where Marcus Smart falls down, and maybe should have been an offensive foul, but but still, like he hit that. And they were all just big, big shots during a stretch when the game could have gone either way. So I, I thought he was really, really good. And, and like, you have to make a decision on Steph. Are you going to let him have freedom? Or are you going to try to take him away? And either way, <laughs> the Warriors can beat you. Draymond Green got going a little bit more than he had. Wiggins was fantastic. But no matter what, it still hasn't been the defense that's been Boston's problem. Like, when Steph was going, when Steph wasn't going, it hasn't really mattered. The defense has been pretty good throughout the series. It's just, can they play offense at a level that allows them to to have a chance to win these games? It, it really, to me, comes down to the offense. Like, can you execute well enough to get good looks? Can you do that in the fourth quarter? Because, like... Either way, they played Steph, whether they let Steph try to cook, whether they let the other guys try to cook, they've done a pretty good job defensively. It's the other side of the ball that's just letting them down right now. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Yeah, that's the crazy thing is Steph has a wild game four, goes off for 43, um, and then game five is the Wiggins game. The Warriors have not scored more than 108 points in a game uh, in these finals. It feels like the Celtics, it really comes down to their offense, and if they can get to 110 points, they should be able to win this game. It's just, it's such a wild, like, and it always comes back to turnovers. The Warriors had... 22 points off 18 Celtics turnovers. Uh, that makes the defense so much harder to play. The Celtics are still doing a great job in the half court. Um, the fact of the matter is that this like, this is not the Miami Heat. The Celtics won a couple games against the Heat where they shot something like 40%, but they were able to do that because the Heat were only going to be able to put up like 85 points. Um, and they could survive kind of that periods of bad offense. The Celtics need to be great defensively for 48 minutes and uh, great, uh, not even great offensively. They need to just be not horrific uh, as they were in the first half and then in the fourth quarter. Now, I got this question, no big deal, bit of a humble brag here when I was on uh, sports talk radio out in San Francisco last night. Uh, They tried to seem to uh, put the blame on Marcus Smart and the Celtics not having a true point guard. It does feel like as Marcus Smart goes, goes the Celtics. And when he can get into the paint and get kind of those easy baskets around the rim in the restricted area or make plays once he does get into the paint, uh, the Celtics have a much better offense. What did you think of his performance in game five? Because like I'm looking at the box score now. He had four turnovers. Um, You mentioned kind of him getting very, very frustrated in the fourth quarter and trying to do like classic Marcus Smart flopping around, trying to do too much. I got, I didn't like when I was asked the question, I didn't necessarily think Marcus Smart was the issue, but um, clearly he, Jalen and Jason all need to have a, a pretty good game if the Celtics are going to have a kind of consistent offense. Yeah. And I, I also hesitate to put it all on Marcus Smart. I think all three of those guys need to be better about getting what they want as a team at the end of games. And I think they've all had moments where the execution goes awry and they've stopped being poised, being composed, looking for what they want. And I I think each of those guys has had moments like that. Part of it, I think, is just getting into sets earlier, like being playing with more pace, like the the offense in the fourth quarter and and I, I think two two plays really stand out to me. The one after Smart came in in game five and and he runs a pick and roll with Jason Tatum and the Warriors switched it. And I, I think it was Clay Thompson. It might have been even Jordan Poole. And Tatum gets that matchup. Smart gets Wiggins on him and he goes to the hoop anyway. And, and forces a, a tough layup. And it's like, man, you got the matchup you want. You ran the offense to get Tatum that matchup. Give it to him. 
And so that was a moment I, I thought Smart should have been better. But but Jalen had a similar moment in game four when Clay Thompson was guarding him and they, they tried to set a screen to get Jordan Poole on him and he rejected the screen and went at Clay Thompson. It's like, man, use the screen. Get the matchup that that you are literally looking for. You are running this set to get Jordan Poole on you. Just run it the way it's supposed to be run and and get to what will have a better percentage chance of working. And so I, I don't put it all on Marcus Smart. I, I just think the Celtics as a team need to have more IQ and be more organized and get to what they want in, in those scenarios. And obviously, you know, you look at it, you could you can blame that they don't have a point guard, but but I think that's too elementary. Like part of the reason that they're in the finals, part of the reason they're so good, they've been so good this year is because Marcus Smart is their point guard. And that affords them the op- opportunity to have such a big physical defense. And and that's what has made things so tough on the Warriors to score. Their their offense is awesome in the half court and they haven't really gotten going yet. Like e- even in the games that they've won, Steph was brilliant some of the time. Wiggins really hurt the Celtics in game five, but the Warriors haven't had a game where they've scored a ton of points and it's just been easy with the exception of game two. So I, I just think it, it's very elementary and, and too easy to just pin it on Marcus Smart, to pin it on the, them not having a natural point guard because that's part of what makes them great as well. But they do need to find ways to be more organized down the stretch. And that's that's been one of the problems for this team all season, it's been what they've been fighting against the whole season. And they just need to to think the game at a higher level during those moments. Yeah, at, at some point, you got to just stop trying to drive on Clay Thompson and Andrew Wiggins. And the Warriors are going to have Steph Curry or Jordan Poole or both of those guys on the court uh, at, at some point. And they're like, it's the playoffs. It's the NBA Finals. Every possession matters at this point. And that that play by Smart you mentioned, just like you can't afford, especially with the kind of how much the Celtics have struggled on offense, you can't afford to just go freelancing for possession. Like once you get that switch, you need to be able to execute. And um, it feels like there's just too many lapses like that uh, for the Celtics on offense. Now, the Celtics have been talking about like we're down 3-2, um, we get, we don't got to win two games at once. I think Ime said today, if you asked us like three months ago, only two games away to win the finals, like you'd be welcoming that. There's kind of all the cliche answers. The Celtics were down 3-2 against the Bucs and Jason Tatum had a massive performance in game six. And then they kind of blew out the Bucs in game seven, but that game seven was at home. Jay, I hate to ask the pessimistic question, but can the Celtics really win two games in a row against these Warriors? I don't think they will, but they could. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but they can. It is possible. It's not out of the question. I mean, when you look at when you look at the reality of it, it's if the Celtics win one at home, there's a game seven, and then anything can happen. That's all they have to do is just just win a game at home, and anything is up for grabs. So, I mean, that's a it's a big task against the Warriors. It's a big task against Steph Curry. It's it's a huge task 
against a defense that the Celtics have not been able to solve consistently throughout this series. That said, <laughs> all they need is, is a few stretches of good offense, and and their defense should be enough to carry them to at least being close in Game Six at home. We'll see. I I I, I thought the Celtics were going to win in six entering this series. I obviously no longer think they're going to win in six, but I, I just think the <laughs> the Warriors' defense has done such a good job at at taking away their easy buckets, at taking away Jason Tatum's twos, at, at making Jalen Brown take difficult shots. At they've just done such a good job at at taking the Celtics out of what they want. I've been so impressed by the Warriors' defense. I've been so impressed by just the intelligence of that group as a unit. Like that is a really really tough team to score on and they don't necessarily have like the elite elite defensive personnel I don't think. Like they're not the biggest team. They're not the most athletic team, but they just really really think the game at a high level and and always have each other's backs and it, it's really impressive to watch them and to kind of watch how how frantic they have the Celtics at times. Yeah, they've really, uh, after game three, have increased the ball pressure uh, and just made everything difficult for the Celtics. Played really aggressive. I think that's like why you see the Celtics getting so many more fouls and so many more free throws is that the, Cel- like the Warriors are really playing um, aggressive physical basketball, getting into the ball, as Brad Stevens was, might say, but... Jay, from what I'm hearing you say is that, you know, it's going to be a tough series. Uh, I mean, it's already has been a tough series, but if they win game six, anything is potable. Anything is potable. Yeah, I I, I would argue anything is potable. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.